Welcome to The Voice of Retail. I'm your host, Michael LeBlanc. This podcast is brought to you in conjunction with Retail Council of Canada. I'm delighted to share an entire episode from the second season of my Conversations with Commerce Next podcast. From Disney to Playboy, The Gap, PepsiCo, and now back into retail with Claire's Stores, Inc., Kristen Patrick is one of the most experienced and passionate youth-oriented retail CMOs working today. In a wide-ranging interview, Kristen takes us through her fascinating and varied career in retail marketing and the valuable mentorship and learnings she has picked up on the way. Next, we talk about how she is leveraging her experience to explore, then expand the possibilities and scope of a beloved youth fashion brand into corners of the market and corners of the world that take retail in all channels to a whole new level. Let's listen in now. Welcome to Conversations with Commerce Next, Kristen. You've had such an interesting career across many iconic brands, including The Gap, Playboy, PepsiCo, and of course now the fashion brand Claire's. We are excited to have you on the podcast to learn more about your background and your vision for Claire's. Welcome. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. Well, to start off with Kristen, we'd love it if you could tell us about yourself, your professional journey in and around retail, but also what you what brought you to Claire's as their new CMO? I've had a very interesting career. Grateful for every opportunity that has been given to me. Um, I've spent time across multiple industries, and what I find in linking them all together is that I usually find myself attracted to uh, brands that are closely linked to culture, um, and and very much about you know uh, design and aesthetics. So I spent time in the entertainment industry and, and actually started my career at Disney, and you know I really learned a lot there about how to build brands. Um, I also spent time at NBC Universal. I spent time in the um, retail fashion industry. I worked for Calvin Klein, Gap Inc. I was the chief marketing officer for uh, Liz Claiborne's Lucky Brand. I spent time in the beauty industry working for um, Revlon. And I spent time as the chief marketing officer for Playboy, which I will write a book about someday for sure. Um, I was the chief marketing officer for uh, Pepsi. And so now I find myself at Claire's. And like I say, when I think about my career, the, the connective tissue is really um, around culture and, you know, with a, with a play on a, a design and aesthetic uh, with all of those companies. I joined Claire's um, after taking a little bit of time off to make sure that my daughter got off to college okay. Um, when I stepped down from my role at Pepsi, I was consulting for a little bit and I really wanted to get back into the corporate world, I wanted to do something where I could really sort of make a difference for young consumers or women. Like that's, that's kind of what I put in my head. Like, this is what I want to do. Like I loved my time at Pepsi. It was wonderful, but somehow like making a cultural impact, um, in the lives of like Gen Z and alpha with Claire's was so appealing to me. You know, I find myself here and it is a company that has a very long history. It's been around for 50 years, um, global brand. I don't think many people realize how long the company has been around. Um, and really it's kind of a new day. We are building this into a, you know, a global and iconic lifestyle brand. So sort of, you know, yes, we have our retail channels, but there's something about this brand, um, where we can play more, more roles in consumers' lives. 
And actually, like, let, let's double click on that for just one second, because I think a lot of our audience is familiar with Claire's, but, but some perhaps more familiar than others. So it would help to get everyone on the same page. Tell us a little bit about the business, how you go to market and, and what makes Claire's different. And I'm noticing one specific point where you're referring to it as a brand. And I think a lot of folks may think of it as a retailer with, you know, over a thousand doors. So talk about that evolution as well. Yeah, for sure. So Claire's, like I say, has been around for 50 years and, you know, most people, it's funny because when I say that I work there, the first thing they say is, oh my God, I got my ears pierced there. And, you know, you enter, Claire's enters consumers' lives at such a momentous time. You know, it's a rite of passage to get your an ear piercing. And so, you know, we usually stay with consumers through their first ear piercing um, and then on into their proms and, you know, uh, first communions, bat mitzvahs, whatever it is. Um, and then they come back again uh, to get the latest style and fashion at a great price. So, yes, for many, many years, um, we have, you know, had retail stores around the world. We are in the process of, you know, evolving that we have an omnipresence, you know, retail system. So we've got our digital presence. We've got our owned and operated stores. We just expanded the footprint into um, distribution channels outside of our owned and operated doors. What's at the heart of this whole opportunity is that when you talk to consumers and we spend a lot of time talking to consumers, you know, they've said to us, um, you guys could be so much more to us because we've been around for so long. And I think we hit on, like I say, a consumer nerve in terms of that first rite of passage, but also we're a platform for self-expression. And what consumers have told us is, listen, we want cafes from you. Yes, I love the fact that you you know, have these amazing accessories. But when I think about self-expressing, you know, I could do my dorm room, I could do apparel. Like we've even had consumers tell us that they want cafes from us. And so, you know, we just see a, a huge opportunity to, I think, give consumers a platform across many areas of their lives to express themselves. Kristen, it's it, it's clear that your background in Pepsi, very youth focused, would prepare you well, or would uh, you know put you in the same ballpark as talking about a fashion youth fashion brand like uh, like Claire's. Talk about your assessment of the brand when you first got that call, when someone first said, you know, picked up the phone. However, that connection was made. What was your first impression of that call? Talk about that, and and did you right away see a see a connection there? And, and what was your first thoughts? Whenever I think about like any brand or business, I always start from its history. And then I think about, you know, what it stands for today, what it, what, what it means in consumers' lives. And then I just naturally go to where can you go? Where can you expand the brand? And I feel like that sort of came out of the the training that I got really early on at Disney, right? So Disney is brilliant at uh, taking the characters, developing intellectual property and, and these franchises where, yes, you have obviously the content and the entertainment, but you also have a massive consumer products business around some of these, um, these films. You also have massive experiences. So for me, when Claire's came to me, I thought about this, the nostalgia factor of the brand. It's a beloved brand. It's, it's a trusted brand. I thought about where 
the zeitgeist is going in terms of like right now for this generation, Gen Z and Gen Alpha, it is all about self-expression and, you know, uh, literally being, being who you are, whether it's, you know, wearing polka dots one day or, uh, you know, purple eyeshadow the next or being a jock or, or, you know, defining um, yourself as gender fluid. I thought to myself, this could be such a cool moment in time for Claire's, not just as a retailer, but like really de- uh, doubling down on on itself as a lifestyle brand. Let's talk about the moment in time we're in right now. I was watching a video uh, of a presentation you gave, and uh, it was talking about, oh my God, look at the world we're in. It's so fast paced. And then I, I clicked and it was 2017. All right, uh-huh. fast forward to 2022, disruptions from the COVID era to what's happening today. From your perspective and, and from your background, when you think about the time we've just been through and the times that we're in today, can you differentiate for us or in your own mind changes in consumer behavior or thoughts, perspectives that were kind of a, you know, an adjustment to a particular period in time versus something different, something like a structural change that has taken place that we all need to pay more attention to and think about? moving forward. When you said that, I thought about a poem and the poem starts off like turning and turning in the widening gyre, right? It's like the world Mm -hmm. just keeps moving faster and faster and faster, right? And so I think for marketers, uh, brands and businesses, it's finding what's unique to each generation, right? And so I think when I, when, when, when we talk about Gen Z and Gen Alpha, for them, it's really about this binary to a fluid lifestyle. And so it's about sort of democratizing bias. And, you know, they don't just challenge convention to challenge convention uh, and, and to just be re- rebellious, but they really want to like further open their lives to experience. And I think that that's, you know, a little bit different from past generations, right? And I think that purpose driven, is going to continue to be incredibly, incredibly important to this generation. Emotional well-being is critical to this generation. And I think that brands that are, we always talk about brands being authentic, but like really having a heart and a perspective and a point of view and, and understanding just what this generation has been through, um, I think is incredibly important. Uh, coming out of COVID, you know, in particular, a lot of these kids had something so detrimental happen to them. Like they basically missed two years of, of, of school. Like, can you imagine if that like happened to our generation? So I think that that is going to be something that's going to be really important. And they definitely have this demand for, you know, enlightened experiences and, when I think about, you know, the pace of, of life and, and what we're, what we're moving towards, it's always going to continue probably, um, to feel like it's moving faster and faster. But I do think that it's like taking a breath and figuring out how you connect with, you know, what it is, this generation is thinking and feeling. And I think that that's how marketers kind of make their way through the clutter. I want to touch on a brand architecture question. So amazing experience, you know, Playboy Gap, PepsiCo, now Claire's. When you look at a brand, and you touched on this earlier when you talked about your work at Playboy, how do you understand how far you can push a brand's parameters? You know, when you first, your first day in the office, you got a whiteboard, you got a clean desk, you got a cup of coffee on your desk and you're thinking, well, how far can I even frame this brand? Is there natural limits to brand expression in your architecture or are those 
artificial and, and you really start with literally a, a white, a clean whiteboard? That's a great question. So my philosophy is, I, and in some ways I always take the first step, which is like, what's in the history, what's in the DNA, right? I talk to people who've been at the company for 30 years to really understand, like from their perspective, you know, what, what, when, when you were here with the founders or whether they were founders or not, like, like what was at the heart of the brand, you know, from there, I, uh, talk to consumers, I usually go out into culture and, you know, I remember at Playboy, we brought a group of people together from the entertainment industry. We bought, we, we bought, we brought, um, sexual philosophers together to figure out like where the zeitgeist was going. Um, so, so there's a lot of conversations and a lot of due diligence in terms of like where the future's going. I usually bring in a group of people together internally at the company. And like, you know, there's a whole series of discussions and exercises that go on because one of the things I've learned is like, you can't just suddenly come out and say, okay, the brand about this and push it down from the top of the organization. Reinventing, get ready. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, no, bad. And and I've done that a couple of times and made mistakes early on in my career. It's like you come out from on high, like, oh, here it is, you know, that 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 bad. Here's the tablet. Here's the brand brand, new brand guidelines. Just please start doing them today. Yeah. (laughs) Exactly. You know, there's exercises like one of my favorite exercises that I love to do with like a, you know, a team of uh, selected people from around the company is this thing called like your brand attic is on fire. So your brand attic is on fire. Like, what do you want to take about the brand into the future? And then like, what do you want to let burn? (laughs) Um, And, you know, it's really interesting because I feel like that sort of unites everybody in terms of saying out loud, well, actually we never really liked that part of what we were doing. And so, you know, in some ways, whether you've been at the company for 50 years or you're, you're a new person to the company, like it just, it ends up uniting everybody. Mm. Um, The other stuff that I do obviously is kind of go out and talk to consumers, take a temperature check and then really kind of use my own hunches in terms of, you know, how much we can, we can push the brand. I inherently believe that today's consumers are multifaceted and they, you know, the best brands exist in multiple places in their lives. First of all, for convenience sake. And like, if I love a brand and it's doing everything that, you know, I, I, I want it to do and it aligns with my personal belief system, like, yes, show up more places. You know, I even think about, you know, brands and companies that I love. And if I find something that just like fits with, with me and who I am, I, I trust them to like enter into more places in my life. And I definitely think that that's the case for, um, the next couple of generations coming down the pike. If you're enjoying this podcast, please be sure and hit that subscribe button on your favorite podcast platform so you don't miss another great episode. We'll be right back with our interview with Kristen Patrick from Claire's right after this message. Bloomreach is the world's number one e-commerce experience cloud, empowering brands to deliver customer journeys so personalized they feel like magic. It offers a suite of products that drive true personalization and digital commerce growth, including discovery, offering AI-driven search and merchandising, content, offering a headless CMS, and engagement, offering a leading CDP and marketing automation solution. Together, these solutions combine the power of unified customer and product data with the speed and scale of AI optimization, enabling digital commerce experiences that convert on any channel and every journey. Learn more at Bloomreach.com. 
bloomreach.com. That's bloomreach.com. You know, I want to double click on one thing as, as Veronica said, your brand building thing, you know, at Pepsi, you would, you would judge market share, brand awareness, regard and recognition, but there's a whole cast of characters involved in whether that beverage is actually sold on shelf at, and at what velocity. Now that you're again, kind of at this retail where, how do you connect the brand work you do with the ROI of moving units about creating sales, about hitting ROI objectives? So it's interesting because in some ways, when you have your own owned and operated channels, it's a lot easier to uh, use data and analytics to measure how, how you're succeeding or not, right? When you work at like some of these big global brands, your relationship with the consumer is held with the third party distribution system that you're servicing, right? So the, 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 consu- the customer was Walmart, Target, 7-Eleven. And so you, you, you know, getting real time data about how the business is moving, uh, can be very difficult. So, you know, my favorite brands to work on are, and are ones where, um, you know, they're shopping online. I can see what they're buying. I know immediately if they don't like something, I think for this generation in particular, like our organic social channels are a wealth of information, um, and knowledge, sometimes good, sometimes bad. And I think, you know, the brands I've worked on are companies where they have their on credit cards is a massive amount of amazing information. Um, and, you know, I've been thinking a lot about Claire's and uh, consumer insights and, you know, really using 24-7 conversations as well as all of the information that we have at the company to make us smarter about our merch picks, to make us smarter about our marketing programs. And you can't do that with every company. And, and you can't do that with every company based on, I think, who you're selling to and what the distribution strategy is. Yeah, that makes, that makes a lot of sense. And, and I think that's the benefit of being, you know, having that direct relationship with the customer versus the indirect relationship with the retailer to the customer. Yeah. And you get so much more firsthand information. I want to switch gears a little bit and talk about career. Um, at Pepsi, you worked with Indra Nui, who is one of the top female executives in corporate America. And what did you learn from that experience and what aspects of PepsiCo's culture are you bringing to Claire's? I loved my time at Pepsi and, you know, it is, it is definitely, I would say one of the best cultural marketers in the world. In addition I think that the way they think about marketing, you know, it's not just a, an activation strategy. The marketing um, team, you know, they're trained as general managers. So they really kind of drive and run the business. And they're, they're kind of at the center of the universe from an activation perspective, but also um, from a product perspective, you know, they oversee uh, many parts of the business. So it truly is like a best-in-class brand management system, which I love. Now, that is quite different from retail, where you usually have marketing, merchandising, and um, 
you know, that partnership is incredibly, incredibly important, but I am bringing a sort of some of the brand management philosophies to Claire's because I think that, you know, as we evolve to thinking about, you know, our owned and operated retail channels and our e-commerce business and, you know, maybe even branching into the metaverse, it's like, what are all of the places where Claire's can play at the heart of it is that brand, right? The, the traditional retail fashion, uh, organization, I think needs to be a little bit different here because of what we're trying to do. Yeah. And especially since it seems like you're also not only offering the product in your own stores, but there seems like a a bit of a wholesale business developing that will kind of go well beyond the direct to consumer business. Is that what I heard in the beginning? I want to clarify. Yeah, that for sure. I think that, I think that there's that. And, um, like I say, I definitely learned about best in class general management through Pepsi. And so I think that there's a lot of opportunity actually for the fashion retail business to learn from some of the CPG companies. And, you know, I look at the retail business and a lot of the owning your own retail doors is kind of a dream come true for a marketer because you can control so much in terms of what's going on in those stores. And, um, you know, you can get real time data. You're constantly talking to consumers. Um, and so I always loved that aspect about working in retail. Um, when, when, you know, we could test things very quickly and pivot. Um, so it's nice to kind of be back on this side of the fence doing this. If you're enjoying this interview, you may want to join us for the Commerce Next Summit on June 21st and 22nd at the New York Hilton Midtown. We'll be gathering our community of trailblazers and changemakers to talk about the future of digital commerce and share the latest strategies for e-commerce acceleration. The theme of the summit is seizing the next wave of growth, and we'll be covering everything from how to set up shop in the metaverse to scaling performance marketing strategies with first-party data. We hope you'll join us in June. Learn more and register at Commerce Next. And then I think you asked me about Indra Nui. Um, She was an extraordinary leader. Um, She was fair. Uh, She was human. She was tough. I especially loved when she talked to us about, you know, as a woman managing career, her, her children growing up and some of those discussions, you know, just meant the world to me while I was raising my daughter and, you know, doing that, doing that job. And, and so to have a leader like that, who, like I say, is, is an incredible mind, but also to share some of those personal stories, um, was, was really nice to be around. That's amazing. And it gives you kind of great experience, I, I love the kind of the, the thinking about you have to be business owners, like PL ownership, kind of align the two parts of the business, but then also align to the human aspect of the business and really understand the people who work w- with you and, and help kind of help them bring their best selves forward. And it, it's, it, that's probably been a very inter- amazing experience. It was. Um, and in fact, um, one of the things I do want to share with you, which, was so amazing and heartfelt. Um, Indra wrote a letter to my parents and she, um, literally took the time to write a letter to my mom and dad and said, um, you may find this odd that the CEO of the company is writing you a letter, but you know, I believe that like great families are behind kind of great people. (laughs) And, um, this is, you know, 
this is what Kristen's doing at the company. And I have to tell you that like my mom has that letter framed. She was crying. She was so proud. It's like, like seriously, how wonderful is that, that, that she took the time to do that for some of her executives. Wow. That's incredible. That's, that's very heartfelt. I want to talk a little bit about the role of the CMO because you obviously come from a very strong back brand background. You know, the CMO role has been evolving. It's a, it's always been a combination of art and science, but it, it, it does feel like, especially in retail, that it's tilting towards science these days. Mm. Talk about where you see the role of the CMO evolving and how it will transform over the next, let's say, five years. Yeah, the role of the CMO, like, I don't think about business as brand and brand as business, right? So I do not believe that... Um, it's just about marketing activations. I believe that the chief marketing officer plays a really pivotal role in a company as setting sometimes the vision for the company, right? Because they're so close to the consumer. I think that a lot of the things that CMOs will be doing will be heavily steeped in data and analytics um, to drive decision-making. But I also think that you know, the best CMOs will be thinking about the business results. I think that they'll um, pivot quickly based on what they're, how they're seeing um, consumers reacting. I think that the CMO role is, in some ways, interestingly enough, particularly for retail, very, very steeped in um, customer service lately. Um, and, you know, being sort of the, the front line of that, because usually the first complaints you hear bubble up in organic social. And so, you know, sort of, sort of being the master of always all things consumer. But I do think that for chief marketing officers in the future, it should be more, much more about, you know, business strategy and sort of driving, where the company goes in conjunction with the CEO. Well, it sounds exciting. We'll uh, we'll get a link from you and we'll put it in the show notes to where you can get in touch. And and are you a, a LinkedIn person? Is that something that people could reach out or follow you on oh, LinkedIn yeah, or yeah. any of the other your own social media? All yes, right, cool, I love cool. LinkedIn. Well, yep. All right. Fantastic. Well, listen, on behalf of Veronica and myself, thanks so much for joining us today. It's really super to hear your perspective. Such a great depth of experience. Uh, I can't imagine a better choice that uh, Claire's could have made to someone to lead them into the future. It's been wonderful to have you on uh, Conversations of Commerce Next, and I wish you continued success in, in all that you do. Oh, thank you so much. It was an honor to be here with you guys. Thanks for tuning into this episode of Conversations with Commerce Next. Please follow us on Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, or your favorite podcast platform, where we will be sharing career advice and marketing strategies from e-commerce and digital marketing leaders at retailers and direct-to-consumer brands each and every episode. Commerce Next is a community, event series, and conference for marketers at retail and direct-to-consumer brands. Through our online forums, interviews, webinars, summits, and other in-person events, we harness the collective wisdom of our community to help marketers grow their businesses and advance their careers. Join Commerce Next events to meet other industry leaders and learn the latest e-commerce and marketing strategies. You can find upcoming events at commercenext.com. Have a fantastic week, everyone. Thanks for tuning into this special episode of The Voice of Retail. If you haven't already, be sure and click and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform so new episodes will land automatically twice a week. And check out my other retail industry media properties, The Remarkable Retail Podcast, Conversations with Commerce Next Podcast, 
and the Food Professor podcast with Dr. Sylvain Charlebois. Last but not least, if you're into barbecue, check out my all-new YouTube barbecue show, Last Request Barbecue, with new episodes each and every week. I'm your host, Michael LeBlanc, president of Emmy LeBlanc Company and Maven Media. And if you're looking for more content or want to chat, follow me on LinkedIn or visit my website at emmyleblanc.co. Have a safe week, everyone. Thank you.